Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Today is Friday. It's the 15th of December. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The head of a conservative law firm argued before the Iowa Supreme Court yesterday that the Democratic state auditor violated the public records law by refusing to release 11 email chains. We get the details from IPR's Katerina Sestarek. Alan Ostergren of the Kirkwood Institute requested auditor's office emails with and about two reporters. He was seeking information about auditor Rob Sands' discredited claim that the governor improperly used COVID-19 funds for a public service announcement. A district court judge dismissed the case last year, saying the emails could be kept confidential because they're part of an audit or examination. Ostergren appealed that decision to the Iowa Supreme Court. He says Sand is making an extraordinary claim that he's exempt from the state's public records law. Which raises the question, who audits the auditor? You know, do we have in our law the state that the auditor is just above examination to make sure that he is discharging his duties correctly. Justice Dana Oxley says the court has to decide whether or not the emails were part of an audit to determine if Sand broke the law. Republicans who control the Iowa Senate in the legislature have turned down Senate Democrats' request to hold a government oversight committee meeting on Iowa's nursing homes. Senator Pam Yocum, a Democrat from Dubuque, says lawmakers need to act quickly in response to recent news reports of abuse and neglect at some Iowa facilities. As legislators, we have also received numerous emails and phone calls from our constituents who have expressed to us concerns about the care of their loved ones in nursing facilities in their communities. This is a very serious issue. Democrats say they plan to introduce legislation next session that would increase oversight and inspections at nursing homes and invest more in community-based care. In southern Iowa, Osceola is urging its 5,500 residents to use bottled water to stretch the city's water supply as extreme drought shrinks. Westlake its primary source of water. The Des Moines Register reports Osceola Mayor Ty Wheeler asked residents to switch from using tap to bottled water for their drinking water needs. Cities across the state are struggling with declining water supplies as Iowa enters its fourth year of drought, the longest stretch in two decades. Nearly two-thirds of Iowa is gripped in severe or extreme drought. The U.S. Drought Monitor showed yesterday nearly all of Clark County, where Osceola is the county seat, is experiencing severe or extreme drought. A northeast Iowa school district closed unexpectedly on Wednesday. We hear the details from IPR's Grant Leo Winterer. The Janesville Consolidated School District announced that it would be treating Wednesday and Thursday as virtual learning days due to a rash of sickness that suddenly swept across the school. 127 students and 13 faculty members have come down with the illness, according to a statement from the district. The district has a total of just over 460 students. The school says that it will spend Thursday disinfecting and sanitizing its facilities and expects to have students back in the building by Friday morning. No district personnel were on site for direct comment. And prosecutors say a suspect in the stabbing death of a Catholic priest in eastern Nebraska appears to have no connection to the priest or the town where the stabbing occurred. Assistant Washington County Attorney Eric Peterson outlined that belief yesterday in the arraignment of 43-year-old Keir Williams, who is from Iowa. The prosecutor also says that Williams has a criminal history in five other states and asked that a judge order Williams held without bond as he awaits trial. 
The judge granted that request, noting that Williams faces a possible death sentence for the murder charge alone. The Washington County attorney in Nebraska says he will decide at a later date whether to seek the death penalty. In Iowa today, it continues to be unseasonably warm for mid-December. High temperatures will be in the low 40s to the low 50s. This is Here First from IPR News. These days, there's an app for everything. Now there's an app for everything you love about Iowa Public Radio. Local newscasts and stories from the voices you trust, your favorite public radio shows and podcasts, plus the music to soundtrack your day. You can have it all in the IPR app. Find it in app stores or at IPR.org app. It's that time of year when many people are looking for the perfect Christmas tree. But one evergreen in the Great Plains has become considered a nuisance. The eastern red cedar is native, but it's encroaching in places where it didn't used to grow and slurping up billions of gallons of water. Harvest Public Media contributor Grayson Wheeler reports on what's being done to manage the tree. When Kelly Roberts was a kid in the 1970s, her family would scout their northwestern Oklahoma pasture every year looking for the perfect eastern red cedar to become their Christmas tree. And so we would look for the right height and right width and does that fit in the corner, you know, and all those kinds of things. I remember traipsing across a pasture and there were very few. So we would have to walk a while before we would find one. Fifty years later, it's a different story. Eastern red cedars are carpeting areas of Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and Texas. Roberts isn't thrilled about the abundance of Christmas tree candidates. She grew up in northwestern Oklahoma. Her parents still live there. Roberts says the red cedars are changing the landscape and taking a lot of water. So it's 1.5 billion gallons of water a day. That's what our trees are drinking. And so it's almost like you have a really nice smelling, deep green sponge layer all over you know, the state. Red cedars aren't necessarily thirstier than other trees, but they're extremely drought tolerant, sucking up water in places where it's scarcest. The trees create a thick evergreen canopy that can prevent other plant species from growing, and they provide fuel for wildfires that sweep across the plains. Roberts got so concerned she lobbied the Oklahoma State Legislature. She brought them Christmas tree-shaped cookies with little no signs on them in hopes they'd set aside funds to remove the trees. The legislature paid attention. And this year, Oklahoma began a more than $3 million red cedar removal pilot project, which started last month. Instead of hard hats and golden shovels, they passed out giant gold shears. In this case, we're here to kill cedars, so we bought our golden nippers. So. Trey Lamb is the executive director of the Oklahoma Conservation Commission, which is in charge of removing the trees. They're focusing on one watershed for now, but Lamb hopes this is just the beginning. I think we've lost so much land to, to the eastern red cedar that I think once we start to show some success, I think there's going to be the public's going to really appreciate it and want to invest in it further. Red cedars are also creeping across other states. The Nebraska sand hills are home to 30 times more red cedars than they were 20 years ago. Aaron Middlestead studies watersheds at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. He says in the sand hills, where there's lots of land but not many people, it can be hard for ranchers to manage the trees. They may not notice anything's wrong, and then all of a sudden one day they're like, whoa, there's red cedar everywhere. Middlestead says the trees could cause a unique water quality problem for the Platte River, which provides drinking water to hundreds of thousands of Nebraskans. The Platte runs down from the Rockies, picking up nitrates and other pollutants as it passes through cities and farmland. But clean water running down from the sand hills helps keep pollutant concentrations low. 
If red cedars keep spreading and gobbling up that clean water, it could mean more pollutants to deal with downstream. Middlestead says that's the worst case scenario. So we're trying to bring it to their attention now before it gets too late and you know becomes a major problem. But there's a great tool against honorary red cedars, fire. Red cedars are super flammable. Before 1850, most parts of the plains saw fires every few years, meaning the trees could only grow in rocky canyons, along rivers, or other places where grass fires couldn't reach them. Since then, fire has abated and red cedars have run rampant. Scott Stout is president of the Nebraska Prescribed Fire Council, which gives landowners tools to plan burns on their lands. Our whole goal is to put more prescribed fire out into the grasslands, and in our areas, uh, the biggest thing is the cedar tree encroachment. Stout, who's also a rancher in southwest Nebraska, says he's noticed using fires to remove red cedars often improves the flow of streams. And that's not the only difference he's seen. From the bottom line of the cattle producer or whatever, you know, you're increasing grazing acres for your cattle, your, the wildlife improvements. You know, there's so many different things that benefit from that prescribed fire that, you know, it's just hard to mention them all. Prescribed fire experts say it'll take continued efforts from individual landowners, state legislators, and federal agencies to slow the spread of the red cedar. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Grayson Wheeler. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, covering agriculture, food systems, and rural issues. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them.